Industrial Talk is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks. You've heard me talk about my friends at Palo Alto Networks. Zero Trust OT Security, delivering a comprehensive security solution for all OT assets, networks, and remote operations. But did you know that the Palo Alto Network solution provides over 1,100 app IDs for OT protocols, over 500 profiles for critical OT assets, and over 650 OT-specific threat signatures? Now that's best-in-class security delivered. Learn more about Palo Alto Network's zero-trust OT security solutions and how you can achieve 351% ROI over five years. Learn more about the Palo Alto Network solution by going out to paloaltonetworks.com. That's paloaltonetworks.com. Welcome to the Industrial Talk Podcast with Scott McKenzie. Scott is a passionate industry professional dedicated to transferring cutting-edge, industry-focused innovations and trends while highlighting the men and women who keep the world moving. So put on your hard hat. Grab your work boots and let's go. All right, once again, welcome to Industrial Talk. We are broadcasting, if you can tell by the noise in the background, Fabtech is the location. We are on site talking to many of the manufacturers here that are, well, really solving big problems in a wonderful way. You need to put this event on your bucket list. And thank you. Thank you once again for your support of a platform that celebrates industry professionals all around the world. You are bold. You are brave. You dare greatly. You innovate. You are solving problems. And you're making the world a better place. All right. In the hot seat, we have a gentleman by the name of Tom Helpin. Did I say that right? You sure did, Scott. Thanks for having me. He has a book. And and we're going to talk about that book. And I'm pretty excited about it. So uh, let's get correcting with the conversation. How you doing? I'm doing great. Well, Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's good to have you on the the old podcast. All right. For the listeners out there, give us a little 411 on who Tom is, and then we're going to venture on into that uh, book. Yeah. Um, like you, I'm passionate about manufacturing. Uh, I've worked in and around manufacturing for about 30 years. And for the last 20 years, I've made my living as a manufacturer's rep and a consultant. And... Um, I wrote a book called The Customer Prevention Culture. It's supposed to sound absurd and strike you as funny. I mean, who would build a culture that prevents customers? But it's really kind of my story. It's provocative. Story. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really about this phenomenon that takes place in a lot of organizations unintentionally, obviously. Nobody would want to create a culture that prevents customers, but it happens. And um, it happens when you let culture become an accidental outcome. And so I talk about the five common missteps that companies unknowingly make and what that looks like, kind of the way not to behave. It's a a teaching opportunity. And then I present a standard for companies to aspire to and align around. Uh, The question is, is, can I get your book on Amazon? Absolutely. Audio book, hard copy. The customer. Who, 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 who's, the, who's the audiobook voice? That would be me. <laughs> That's hard. That's hard stuff. Man. Yeah, well, it turns out my son's an audio engineer. <laughs> so I spent $90,000 sending him to the University of Michigan. He's, uh, he's an audio engineer. It's how he makes his living. And so uh, I got a deal. Yeah, I bet you did. Wasn't his favorite project. <laughs> but can you only imagine. Can we retake that paragraph? <laughs> just, just that. that. <laughs> yeah. So you you uh, you mentioned it. 
there are five points. Yeah. You know, let's go through those five points if that's acceptable. Just just high level, five points. Start the chatter there, and then, uh, and then of course, we need to sort of begin that solving of the problem, whatever that might be. Give us yeah, start if, with you, one. if you think about entrepreneurs, uh, when an entrepreneur starts their endeavor, the customer is everything. The customer is king. And if you don't have that mindset, you don't survive. In the customer prevention culture, the customer is not only not king, they've become a nuisance. They'd never say those things, but the behavior yes. of their team would leak out and suggest that the customer is actually a nuisance. So that's misstep one. Customer nuisance. Yes. Okay. The okay. customer is not king. They become a nuisance. That's good. So don't... Uh, <laughs> that seems pretty solid for me. Yeah. The, ne <laughs> the next thing, if you think about organizations and how you deliver value, whether it's product or service, your, your business is made up of workflows. And workflows are always people, process, and technology. Um, the workflows in the customer prevention culture are company-centric. So in other words, you've built workflows that serve internal stakeholders rather than the customer. That's yeah, interesting. Um, an example I always use is when a manufacturing company, as an example, wants to, uh, they say it's time to invest in an ERP package. They'll build a cross-functional team, uh, accounting and finance, engineering, customer service, sales, operations. All those functional areas are represented in that team that's selecting ERP packages. And they say, here are our requirements. We need this ERP software to check the box but you'll find the customers never represented there. And so that's an yes. example of a company-centric mindset towards a very crucial decision. I have to be honest, uh, in, in my many years of uh, industry, I've, been, I've deployed and managed DRP systems, and you're absolutely right. It, let's just put it this way. The customer is the after, right. afterthought, really. Which is upside down. It should is. be the other way. Yeah. Yeah. So now that's interesting. So, so to me, it's like the, if you build a workflow, any workflow, the customer should always be in first position, not internal stakeholders. They get what they get after the customer's requirements. You, you think about how is the customer impacted here? That's number one. So, so misstep one, the customer has become a nuisance. They're no longer king. Two, uh, workflows, which are made up of people, process, and technology, are company-centric rather than customer-centric. So those are the first two missteps. I like it. You're spot on. You're, you're, you're hitting home runs. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can continue if you want. Yes. Okay. Keep on going. We got five. You're on three. Okay. So, so three is too many customer touch points break confidence rather than build confidence. So if you think about the customer life cycle and how they engage with your company. Most buyers today are digital, right? So even, even if you have a customized manufactured product, people are checking you out on LinkedIn, your website, right? Oh, so, yes. So they're, they're checking out your website and is the website customer-centric? Are you serving up content in a customer-centric way? Uh, or are you posting equipment lists and things like, well, I think this is what's important to the customer, but I really haven't really thought about it, I haven't asked them. So when too many touch points break confidence and you slow down the customer's pace of doing business, 
um, or if they sense that uh, your team is not allowed, you, aligned, you, you, you got to remember customers in, engage with you digitally. They talk to customer service. They may receive a package. They get an invoice. There's all these touch points in the customer lifecycle. If too many of those touch points break confidence and you make it too challenging for them to do business, they're out. I, 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 I can't argue about that. And, I, and I, as a customer, if you make it difficult for me, I'm, I'm moving on. It, it, and it doesn't take much to be difficult. Yeah. You know, it, it, it could be some friction here, a little, little frustration there, and I'm gone. And, it, and it's just so fast. Um, and it's going to be hard to get me back. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Big time. For sure. You know. Yeah. And then I'm going to tell everybody and say, hey, uh, you know, that, that experience wasn't really that good. Right. So, anyway. Yeah. I like that. You're hitting it. Number All right. four. And the, the fourth misstep is tribes and silos. So, uh, yes. so rather than having one team with one goal, uh, there's too many tribes and silos in the organization. And really what it feels like on the customer side is you're forcing them to navigate those tribes and silos. Again, this is unintentional, and it might be unknowingly doing so. I love it. But, um, you know, customers are pretty smart. If you think about, if a manufacturer thinks about their top major accounts, they probably, your customer probably has relationships with people on your team that are 6 to 10 to 20 people deep design and engineering, estimating, sales, operations, quality control, maybe even shipping. I, I don't know. But customers will quickly sense, like, they'll ask, are you guys talking to one another? Because you're forcing me to navigate different personalities. You're clearly not aligned. Yeah. And so that would be indicative of tribes and silos. So um, there's no shared organizational outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and furthermore, kind of what I reinforce in the book is everybody's part of the sales team. It's not just the sales rep. Everybody's yeah. part of the sales team. That, that, that's, I, I've heard that. And you're ab- I mean, I can't argue with that. But people are reluctant or resistant to saying, hey, I'm part of the sales team. I don't want to. You know, it's, it's sort of an interesting challenge. Yeah, well, I mean, this is what I think. When I talk to leaders... Every one of them knows how important culture is on the business. But they're, they're like, yeah, but it's intangible. It's mystical. I don't know how to deal with it. So I'm going to go invest in a new machining center. Because that, I know the ROI is calculable. If I invest this $1.5 yeah. this is how it's going to change my throughput. My thing is I'm giving you a way to think about what to avoid, the culture to avoid. And if you don't make culture a proactive leadership mindset, well, then it's an accidental outcome and shame on you. Yeah. Because you got a lot of payroll and a lot of investment and a lot of resources out there, and you're not thinking about how to align your team. Yeah, but but don't you think that in in that case, let's say I'm the I'm the head cheese of this organization, and I see the necessity for us to be, I uh, hate to say it, customer centric, right, and really mean it. And then I go after my pa- uh, uh, my team and I berate them into saying we're a customer centric. Is there a obligation on my end to be able to try to attempt to change that culture in a way that is not, you know, with a bat and more with a, and, and that maybe that's where we're going to get into, but, but more in a way of getting buy-in as opposed to anything and seeing the importance of making sure that the customer is number one, is number one. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally against 
autocratic leadership styles oh, and course. baseball bats. I, I, I'm thinking, this, this is the way I see it. Look at our country. Look at the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, right? It's almost like a manifesto, right? And, and it gives people ground rules to operate within. My book gives you a way to say, this is the culture to, to avoid. And you, it allows you to decentralize decision-making down to its lowest levels to, to show people we're not operating this way and you have full authority to make decisions and avoid this. Here's the standard to aspire to and align around. You operate within this framework, we're good, we're aligned. And you use those things to teach and coach and reinforce. The, the, the problem with professional development and training is too often they're events. If you want lasting, yes, if you yes. want, if you want lasting change, then you have to teach. You have to model, and you have to say as leaders too. By the way, you're allowed to call me out when I'm operating within the customer prevention culture, and redirect me to the culture of commerce, which is the remedy. That's kind of how I see things. It's a manifesto. I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation in a big way. Now, we've uh, we've touched about uh, customers being a nuisance. Don't do that. We've got uh, company centrics for the uh, more for your workflows. Don't do that. Too many customers touch points. I know I don't like that. And then, of course, the tribes and silos. You're, you're requiring the customer to navigate that. Now, what's the fifth and final and then... Let's wrap it up. Fifth and final. Yeah. There's no standard to build culture. So if you think about what do we see when we walk into workplaces today, we see a vision statement, we see a mission statement, we see values. And for the most part, it's it's office art. It's meaningless, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, hey, we, you know, somebody told us we yeah. need to do this, so we did it. Um you gotta. You have to build that. You because when you build values and vision, um, you're really creating standards that create an organizational way of life. And so, if if you want to build an organizational way of life, you have to have standards that people can um, ascribe to and live out. Oftentimes, most most businesses, right. Look at manufacturing. You've got some charismatic founder or partners, right? Charismatic. Um, they build the business. Then they hire, you know, over time they say, hey, uh, if I get hit by a bread truck, this is over. So I'm, I'm going to build out a management team, right? And there's kind of standards of behavior that become acceptable. Maybe there's still remnants of those charismatic founders. And that kind of becomes the culture. It's an accidental outcome. We say... No, culture needs to be a proactive leadership mindset. And, and, and I love what you're saying. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Pre-COVID, when did you publish your book? 2019. 2019. So right around in that. That's So I, if I'm the owner, I'm passionate. I'm passionate about what I do. Nobody's going to be as passionate as I am about my widgets or my manufacturing or what I love to do. Um, do you think, or do you think it starts at that level? I have to take a, a, a humble pill, and I've got to sort of recognize that maybe I need to be leading this and and making that change. 
Yeah, you know, that word you just used, to me, the humble leader yeah. is the strongest leader. Yeah. And, and um, if there's humility, your people will see it. But the, the key is, what's at stake for you as the leader? Is yeah. something at yeah. stake? And do you want to decentralize and, and, and build out a team that can run the business? And how committed are you to change? So, you know, if you're not, if you want training to be, I'm going to bring in somebody, and they, you know, I'm bringing Tom and he'll do a speak, you know, speaking event. And, and that's what I'm going to check the box on professional development. No, you got to live it out. So, yeah, but it starts at the top because yeah. people will sniff it out. How committed are you? Real quick. Big time. Real quick. Now, are, are you saying that your book, as we wrap it up, are you saying the book is sort of given, it's a manifesto, but it sort of gives some sort of concrete roadmaps on maybe how to begin this journey from that perspective? Yeah, so there's a third piece I didn't share. So the book has three idea clusters. Okay. The culture to avoid, which I call the customer prevention culture. Yeah. Then I introduce the remedy, which I call the culture of commerce. And the last piece is something I call the sales engine. And so the idea is is that sales, just like every other functional area, is a process-driven discipline. And so I break the sales yeah. engine down. Yeah. But the key is, is that when you get culture right, it acts as a force multiplier on sales. So... Culture is not, you know, just, you know, rainbows and puppy dogs. It's real, and um, and it has a real impact on the business. So it, it walks you all through that. You're nailing it, man. I'm just telling you right now, you are absolutely nailing it. I really enjoyed this conversation. So if I'm the only one that enjoyed the conversation, where would I get uh, your book? <laughs> Yeah, uh, Amazon.com, the customer prevention culture. Um, I do a Daily Habits Friday video on Fridays on LinkedIn, the Helping Group. You can follow me, Tom Halpin, or Tom at thehelpinggroup.net. You're fantastic. Hey, if this, uh, that whole, uh, your business doesn't work out well, you've got a, a bright future in podcasting. Well, Scott, thanks for doing what you do. I love, oh, I'm passionate thanks. about manufacturing too, so oh, thank you. Wonderful. All right, we're going to wrap it up on the other side. You will have all the contact information for Tom out on Industrial Talk, so fear not, you will be able to reach out to this absolute sage in manufacturing, so don't hesitate. He is uh, definitely uh, brings a lot of value. He does, absolutely. All right, we're going to wrap it up on the other side. Stay tuned. We will be right back you're listening to the industrial talk podcast network runs again thank you very much for joining industrial talk and that gent's name is tom help and put that on your to-do list connect with him all of the contact information for tom will be out on industrial talk including the link to his book a must read book make it happen i'm telling you i love the concept or the the principles behind our conversation around are we preventing customers and then some and all the action items associated with that all right you've heard me talk about it a number of times and that is industrial talk it is a platform it is a platform for industrial content creators that's you you want to highlight your podcast go out to industrial talk be a part of the the ever-expanding ecosystem it is strictly strictly around industry grow your voice 
your influence, your network. Go out to Industrial Talk. Talk to me. Be bold, be brave, dare greatly. You know you need to hang out with Tom to change the world. We're going to have another great conversation shortly from Fabtech, so stay tuned.